0: If you have your Bible with you this morning, I hope you do, please turn to Colossians chapter 3. We're continuing our study of Christ above all from the book of Colossians. And this morning we're going to be looking at Colossians 3, 12 through 14, which is a passage that is all about clothing ourselves in the character of Christ. Now we as Americans understand the importance of clothing and dress. We always have In the 1890s, Mark Twain, the great American poet and novelist, humorously wrote, Clothes make the man. Naked people have little to no influence on society. I'm glad to see that none of you have forgotten that this morning. Clothes are important. And while clothes don't make the man, they do reflect the man. The way we dress reflects who we are. As Muchacha Prada, the owner and CEO of Prada, once stated, what you wear is how you present yourself to the world, especially today when human contact is so quick. Fashion is instant language. I love that phrase. Fashion is instant language. In other words, clothes communicate something about you even when you don't say any words. Just think about that. Clothes are a wordless expression of who you are they communicate something about you even when you do not have the chance to say words i think it is in that sense that paul tells us here in colossians 3:12 through 14 to put on what we might call spiritual clothing as christians We, as grace bought believers in Jesus Christ, are to put on spiritual virtues. Spiritual virtues that, when they are put on, instantly communicate that we belong to Jesus Christ. Even when we do not have the opportunity to say a single word, we can instantly communicate to others that we belong to Jesus. Remember, it is in that context, uh, remember that context that we are looking at is here in chapter 3. It's all about how to live in light of our spiritual oneness and identity in Jesus. In verses 1-4 through of Colossians 3, Paul reminded us of that identity that we have in him. He tells us that you have been raised with Christ. He then tells us that your life is hidden with Christ. And then he concludes by saying that Christ is your life as a Christian. Christ is all. He is everything. Therefore, if Christ is to be exalted as preeminent over all things, including your own life, and there are some things that you need to put off, we saw that last time in verses 5-11, through 11. and as we're going to see beginning this morning, there are some things you need to put on. We'll see that in verses 12-14. through 14. Paul here in Colossians 3 is really illustrating for us the believers walk in Christ like a first century believer's participant, participation in baptism. See, at the moment of baptism, early Christians would remove his heavy outer garment that was often dirty and soiled from travel and from work. And upon entering into and coming out of the water, he would then put on a new outer garment that was clean and fresh. So here in Colossians 3, Paul is telling us as believers, that physical thing that you remember doing at baptism, when you immersed yourself in the waters of baptism... That is now supposed to be taking place spiritually, now that you are immersed into Christ. You're to be putting off your old way of life, and you need to be putting on a new way of life. You need your clothing, you need to be clothing yourself in the character of Christ. And Paul is going to show us what exactly that means in verses 12-14 through this morning. At the beginning of verse 12, Paul's going to emphasize the core of our new identity in Jesus. We who were once alienated from the life of God are now made one with the life of God. So, does that make a difference? What made the difference? What at the heart, what at the core of our, what is at the core of our new identity in Jesus? We'll see that beginning in verse 12. Then, at the end of verse 12, into the beginning of verse 14, we're going to see the clothes of our new identity in Christ. In other words, now that we're in Jesus, we should dress the part. We ought to be showing that hidden life of Christ to everyone around us. Even when we might not be able to say a word, we need to be showing those around us that we know and we belong to the Lord and Savior of the world. So that is our outline. The core of your new identity followed by the close of your new identity. So with that in mind, let's read Colossians chapter 3, starting verse 12 to verse 14. Paul writes, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This is the word of God who holds our feet back from every evil way when we keep his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have before us today. What a reflection of your grace this moment is. As those who were once dead in their trespasses and sins have come together to worship the God who made them alive. forgave them of all of their sins, who placed upon them everlasting love. Remind us this morning, Father, of Your greatness and Your goodness and Your glory as seen through Christ. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to love and obey. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul begins this passage by reminding us here of what is at the core of your new identity. It's in verse 12. Where Paul says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Paul reminds us here, At the very beginning, the core of a believer's new identity in Christ, and it is the sovereign will and choice of God. He says here that we are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. This verse is the reason, it's the explanation for those glorious verses we looked at earlier in verses 1-4 through of this same chapter. Why do we... Why do we who once lived in darkness, why do we who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing and loving evil deeds, why are we who were once dead in our trespasses and the uncircumcision of our flesh, why do we, brothers and sisters in Christ, now find ourselves raised with Christ, with our life hidden with Christ, and our life totally wrapped up in Christ? Why is that? Why do we have this gloriously transformative new identity in Jesus? The answer you have to give biblically is because God has chosen us. The entire Christian experience and identity can be summarized in this one phrase, God's chosen ones. And I want us to look at the core of this new identity in Christ because we will never be able to properly apply the entirety of these verses to our own lives until we begin to apply the beginning of verse 12 right here to our hearts, first of all. If we are to stand strong, content, and complete in Christ against the subtleties of Satan and the snares of sin, then we must know who we are in Christ. And why we are in Him. And if we can grab hold of that, if we can grab hold of the core of our identity in Jesus, that will provide the motivation for the rest of our Christian walk. It will provide the strength and satisfaction and spirit that we need to hold fast to Christ who is our life. So what is the core of your new identity in Jesus? Three glorious realities. First, God chose you. We are, as Paul says here, God's chosen ones. Believe it, there is nothing more encouraging and wondrous to know than to realize that God handpicked you to belong to Him. Ephesians 1 4 through 6 says that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, God predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Over and over and over again, that passage is telling us one single thing. Believer, God has chosen you. Wonder of wonders. Mystery of mysteries that in eternity past, God personally chose to set you apart for himself and to make you the object of his affections. Nothing could be more encouraging than that. And nothing could be more humbling than realizing that this wondrous and saving choice of God upon your life had absolutely nothing to do with you. We were chosen for salvation by grace alone. 2 Timothy 1.9 says that God saved us and He called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the world began. In other words, the fact that we are God's chosen ones has absolutely nothing to do with us or anything that we've ever done and has absolutely everything to do with God And everything that He is. He is a God of eternal purpose. He is a God of sovereign grace. And so in eternity past, He chose to set us apart unto Himself in love. You might say, well, why me? I mean, out of everyone else, that God could have chosen. Why me? I don't know. But I know that it has nothing to do with me and who I am. And I know that it has everything to do with God and who He is. He is a God of purpose and grace. And I can do nothing more than to cry out in wonder, joy, and awe with those in heaven. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belongs to God. Believer, never forget this. That in His sovereign grace, God chose you. Put that realization at the very center of your life, at the very core of your identity. That's why this reminder of our identity in Christ is put right in the middle of this put-off, put-on passage. Never forget, God chose you. So it doesn't matter. Think about this. This gets intensely practical. It doesn't matter if that team picks you last to play dodgeball, kids. It doesn't matter if that friend or significant interest that you had leaves you, it doesn't matter ultimately if that employer doesn't choose you It doesn't matter if others think that you're smart or talented or attractive or successful or organized or popular or strong or skilled. None of those things ultimately matter because your identity, believer, is not founded on any of that. Believer, you and I have an everlasting rock of stability in our lives And that is this. We share a common glorious identity in Christ. God's chosen ones. Therefore, it does not matter ultimately what I go through or what I experience. I am chosen by God. A bad day Chosen by God is better than the best day not. I'm chosen by God. If you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation, that is demonstration that God has chosen you. I am chosen by God. You are chosen by God. This is who we are. God chose you. Second, God possesses you. you we are God's chosen ones. What? What does it say? I wouldn't say that about you. <laughs> I wouldn't say that about myself. Look at what God says about you. Holy That term holy or sanctified here means, at its most basic level, being set apart. And in context, being sandwiched between those descriptions of being chosen and loved means that God has set us apart unto himself to be his own. Just think about that. The reason why you are in Christ is because God chose to set you apart to be his own possession. As we saw earlier in Colossians 1.13, God delivered us from the domain of darkness. And what did he do? He transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy 7 verse 6 says this, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Once we were children of wrath, now we are children of God. Scripture teaches what made the difference? God set us apart unto Himself. First Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. God chose us to own us believers so that we might belong to Him. For you are not your own, but you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God even in your body. Which is God's. As Isaiah 43 verse 1 says, But now thus says the Lord, He created you, O Jacob. He who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. See, God redeemed us and He called us so that He might possess us as His own. To what extent? Is it, well, you belong to me. Slave, go out and do this. no. God chose us to such an extent that we would be brought into His own family. As we saw earlier in Ephesians 1.5, In love, God predestined us. He chose us for what? For adoption as sons. For adoption as full heirs through Jesus Christ. We have, as Romans 8.15 says, received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. See, God possesses us. As much as a son belongs to his father, we belong to God. We as believers are holy, we're sanctified, we're set apart unto God for his purposes, for his glory, to be vessels of his mercy. As Psalms 100 verse 3 states, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. He is our God, our Father, our Good Shepherd, and we belong to him as his servants, his sons, his sheep. I want you to remember that, believer, Let nothing eclipse that in terms of its importance. You belong to God. You might belong to a wonderful marriage. You might belong to a wonderful family. You might belong to a wonderful church. A wonderful organization. Wonderful community. Wonderful nation. That's fine. That's good. But don't ever ground your identity in any of those things. They will all perish. But this identity, the fact that you now in Christ belong to God, will remain forever. You belong to Him. Put that at the center of your life. This is our distinct glory as Christians. We are holy in Christ, set apart unto Him as His children distinct and devoted to God and beloved that distinct holiness and devotion is not something that we as Christians are to retreat from that is something that we as Christians are to embrace for the glory of God it is at the very core of our identity as Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones once said the glory of the gospel is that when the church is absolutely different from the world she invariably attracts it it is then that the world is made to listen to her message though it may hate it at first brothers and sisters this is who you and I are we are Holy in Christ. We share a common glorious identity in Christ, and that is this holy. And Paul's point that he's going to be bringing out in this passage is if you are holy in Christ, in the Holy One, then live like it. Demonstrate that holiness in your own life. God chose you. You are holy we are set apart for Him. So, brothers and sisters, this is who you and I are. We share a common, glorious identity in Christ, and that is this. Holy. I am set apart by God. You are set apart by God. We are set apart for God. This is who we are. God chose you. God possesses you. Third, God loves you. We are God's chosen ones. Holy and, what does it say? Beloved, would you listen to that? That is not mere sentimentalism. That is a marvelous reality. God chose you so that He could set you apart as an object of His love. See, before our sins separated us from God, they cut us off from God and they placed us beneath His just wrath. And though we were in that dreadful state, we weren't seeking to change that condition or that situation. We, we learned from Scripture that we were haters of God, as Romans 1.30 declares. And yet this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and gave His Son to be the propitiation, the pleasing sacrifice for our sins. 1 John 4.10 says, Christ satisfied the just wrath of God in my place so that the love of God might be freely given to me as romans 5 8 says but god shows his love for us in that while we were still what sinners christ died for us and that shown love is in the present tense by the way there in romans 5 8 meaning that christ's death on the cross speaks an eternal word of love for us As Paul will say later, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Believer, never forget that you are the chosen object of God's love. Now most of us look at that and say, no big deal. And that's because we haven't spent long enough studying the word just before this, holy. Because I don't know about you, I don't deserve an ounce of God's love. I don't know about you, but when I see that word holy, I retreat from it saying, no, that can't be me because so often I ground my identity in my performance or my action, not in Christ and His work. But in Christ, I am chosen by God. In Christ, I am holy. And despite what every ounce of my being might say, regarding how I behave in Christ. I am loved. You say, well, my circumstances don't feel like that. Well, then you're grounding your identity in your circumstances. Ground your identity in Christ. I am an object, a chosen object of the Father's love in Christ. And not just, by the way, the Father's love, but I am a chosen object of the Son's love as well. Revelation one five says this, Jesus Christ loves us and gave Himself and has freed us from our sins by His own blood. Galatians 2.20 and Ephesians 5.2 both say the exact same thing. The true reality of everyone in Jesus. The Son of God loved me and gave Himself for me. It's not just that the Father loved us and He said, well, I'd rather have I'd rather have these people than Christ. Christ can die so that they can live. It is that they came together and created a plan of love together. You are the chosen object of the Father's love. You are the chosen object of the Son's love. And you are the chosen object of the Spirit's love as well. As Romans 5, 5 says God's love has been poured into our hearts through what? The Holy Spirit see, the Holy Spirit is literally the expression of God's steadfast love towards you. Loved by the Father, loved by the Son, loved by the Spirit, three in one. This is the core of our identity in Jesus. As Romans 1.7 says, we are loved by God and called to be saints. In Christ, you and I are loved with an everlasting love. We share a common, glorious identity in Christ, and that is this. Beloved, I am loved by God. You are loved by God. This is who we are. We are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. This is at the core of your new identity in Christ. God chose you. God possesses you. God loves you. We're in the middle of a month in which the world is celebrating identities, is it not? Identities that they take pride in. When his scripture says, these identities ought to bring you shame, for they will surely bring you judgment. But in the midst of a month in which people are rejoicing over the identity of their sins, may I challenge you as Christians that this ought to be a month in which we are rejoicing over the identity that we have in Christ. This is our Life to be proud in. We are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. So that while the world would look at us and identify us as something else, remember that in Christ, believer. Though the world would heap on you shame and scorn and reviling for who you are in Christ. Remember, according to scripture, in Jesus, you have become a part of that fellowship of whom the world is not worthy. You are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Never forget that. Ground your life on that. Come back to it daily And weakly. in the midst of rejection, God has chosen you. In the midst of sin, God has made you holy. In the midst of hatred, even self-hatred, God loves you. That's who you are in Christ. So believer, I encourage you. Do not listen to how the identities... Don't listen to the identities of the world, the flesh, or the devil tries to give to you, believer. Listen to the identity that God has given you in Christ. And be encouraged. Remember who you are in Jesus. Because as we'll see here, and this is highly critical, why did I spend a whole week on this? It is because of this. The motivation... Oh, please get this. The motivation for living a holy life for the glory of God is not found in your identity as a sinner. Your motivation to live a holy life for the glory of God is your identity as a saint. What gets you off the ground after a week of utter disappointment and failure? It is not, I am a sinner. It is, I am a saint. I am God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. I must rise in that new identity and live for Him. Not grounding my identity on my circumstances or my performance, but on who I am in Jesus. The motivation to live for the glory of God is not that you're a sinner, it's that you're a saint. You're a saint in Christ. God's chosen ones. You're not defined by your relationship to sin anymore, believer. I know that's hard to believe, but believe it with faith. You're not defined by your identity, by your relationship to sin anymore. You're defined by your relationship to Christ. Therefore, put to death what is earthly in you. Put off your old practices and put on Christ. That's Paul's message. For you are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Be encouraged by that. Live like it as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Clothe yourself to Christ. Live for Him above all. And pride yourself in your new identity in Jesus. And we'll see what that looks like next week as we clothe ourselves with who we are in Christ. But for now, this is the word of God from Colossians 3 verse 12. Which I now commit to your further study and your faithful obedience unto everlasting encouragement. Until he comes. To that end, as the men come forward for communion this morning, let's pray. Father, we thank you for who we are in Jesus. We thank you that we have an everlasting rock of stability, no matter our circumstances, no matter our situations, no matter our struggles. We have Christ. We are in Christ. And we know that at the core of that is because of who you are, your own purpose and grace, you chose us to set us apart to be objects of your love and affection. The glory does not belong to us. The glory goes forever to you. Thank you for making us new creations. Thank you for bringing, for putting away what we once were and giving to us who we now are in Christ. Help us, Father, to live that out help the root of that new identity bear forth fruit in our lives this coming week as we meditate more and more upon what it means to be chosen by You, to be set apart in Christ, and to be eternally beloved within the Beloved One. Father, help us not to boast in ourselves, but help us to boast in You and in who we are in Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.